the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Ministry of the Week Sunday message. This is Dave Naderhood, and a happy Sunday afternoon to everybody. I hope that you've enjoyed a great morning in worship and that you're ready to hear another message as we take time each Sunday afternoon to highlight one of the ministries, one of the churches around the Bay that's making a difference for Christ in different communities, little churches and big ones and parachurch ministries. And we do this specifically to get people connected and growing in local congregations. Our conviction here at KFAX is that uh, we exist as a radio station never to replace the local congregation or your involvement in a local ministry, but rather to supplement your faith uh, Monday through Saturday and on into Sunday as you get plugged in in a local community. And maybe you're new to town and you're looking for a church home or perhaps you have a uh, been disconnected from church for one reason or another. Whatever it is, we want to help you get connected to a, a church where you can grow in Christ and hear the Word of God taught. And uh, perhaps you're in a local church, a small one, or a church that doesn't have a ministry that uh, that excites you, and you would like to find out more about uh, a ministry place where you could get involved in some way serving in Jesus' name. Um, that's why we have this program on the air each week, and you can get in touch with me, Dave Naderhood, at our website, kfax.com. Uh, this week, uh, this past week, I had opportunity to interview Pastor Philip Pattison. He's one of the pastors at South Bay Church and one of the initiators and founders of Foster the Bay. So we talked this past week about, a lot about the foster care system and how this new organization, Foster the Bay, is trying to build partnerships, starting in Santa Clara County, partnerships to build up uh, churches, equip local churches to be able to raise up families where children can be cared for and nurtured. And I have Pastor Philip with me in studio today, uh, opportunity for him to just share a little bit more about what Foster the Bay is about and an upcoming event as well. Pastor Philip, thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me. As we learned this past week, there's a really great need. And I wonder, for those who may have missed that interview, could you recap some of the motivation and the need for Foster the Bay and then share with us a little, too, about the upcoming event? Sure, yeah. As, as we uh, began to explore um, what it would look like to um, to rally churches together here in our county to, to uh, raise up foster families, um, uh, we realized that not, if we if we were to do that, if we were to actually raise up foster families and so many foster families that we'd be able to actually adequately meet the need here in our county that every child that comes into the system would have a home, if, that there, if there was a church for every child is what we say, um, we realized that uh, as, as we began to study and do some research um, that we would not only be meeting an immediate need, but um, we that we would radically we would see a radical uh, transformation here in uh, Santa Clara County. Mm-hmm. Um, that if you look at the statistics, um, it, it's it's staggering. In fact, the way that um, uh, a child entering into the foster system and that instability and the trauma that has been experienced, 
um, can can have a, a, a long-term effect. And so you, it, it's all over the place. You see it with, with uh, unemployment. About half of foster youth who age out of the system will be unemployed by, by their mid-20s. Um, 70% of uh, prison inmates here in the California prison system um, came out of the foster wow. uh, system. About eighty percent of those on death row came out of the foster system. Um, um, uh, teen pregnancy, um, education, homelessness—I mean, it's it's staggering. Uh, I think it's about a, a third of the youth that, that age out of the system will end up homeless. Wow. A third, thirty-three percent. Mm. And then uh, human trafficking—I've heard of the statistics anywhere between sixty to ninety percent uh, of child sex trafficking victims who have been recovered um, were, were came out of. The, the foster system. And so what we realized wow. is that if we were to provide a loving, stable, secure home for every child that experienced trauma and had to enter into the system, they, each, each one of them had a loving, stable home to walk through that difficult time with them. Um, what, what would that mean for the stats 10 to 15 years from now? What, how could that transform our county? And right. so we've said often, you know, the best way to see a transformed Bay Area tomorrow is to care for, care for vulnerable children today. And so that's mm. really the heartbeat behind what we're doing is we want to um, uh, provide love and care for children in the same way that God has shown love and care to us. Right. That's our motivation. It's, it's the gospel. We believe that it's, it's through Christ that we were adopted into the family of God, that he sacrificed and went out of his way to, to make a, a way for us that while we, we were, were yet sinners. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> when we were without hope. We were brought into, to family. And now we have the opportunity, just as it says in the scriptures, it says, therefore, uh, be, 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 uh, imitators of God as beloved children, mm. be imitators of God. And so that's what we want to be. We are beloved children. And so now we want to be, uh, imitators of God and, 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 and love kids who are need. Uh, that's so beautiful, Philip, that the that tie-in with that passage actually uh, came to my mind as well. We are, we're looking at a, um, a culture in which, you know, Christians have um, sometimes, and maybe particularly in the Bay Area, been isolated from, um, uh, or, or think that they're isolated, pretend to be isolated from the, the problems of brokenness, and they tend to just kind of wag their heads or, you know, uh, tisk tisk. You know, if mm-hmm. if if those families would only act or behave better, uh, instead of saying, well, okay, sin is a a fact of brokenness inside the church, outside the church, and how can we, instead of um, uh, merely preaching against sin, how can we say, given the fact of brokenness, that children are uh, are taken and, and need a placement, are we going to be willing to do what Christians historically had done right That's from right. the start That's of the early right. church, right? Mm-hmm. Taking kids that nobody else wanted mm-hmm. uh, or that were seen as disposable even and saying, no, we want to demonstrate the love of Christ uh, to be able to to show the kind of love that was shown to us when we were adopted into the family of God. What a beautiful picture. Um, Philip, could you share about, um, first of all, I think it's important to note here, we we want people to check out the website, fosterthebay.org. You can find out a lot of great information there, including this vision and the scope for uh, what uh, Foster the Bay hopes to see accomplished over the years to come. Uh, this uh, is an initiative right now focused on Santa Clara County. And right. tell us about how you hope to see that um, expand in this in this next year. Yeah, so we, so Foster Bagan is a coalition of churches that are committed to providing a loving home for every kid in the foster system. And mm-hmm. so we um, partner churches together to address the need within the county. And um, we'd love to see in the, in the years to come uh, several hundred families raised up here in Santa Clara County. 
um, to adequately meet the need. But we call it Foster the Bay for a reason, is because we, this, is a, this is a Bay Area need, not just here in Santa Clara County. So um, as we continue to grow, God willing, we'll continue to expand in, in, in other counties as God opens those doors and provides the resources and the right uh, churches that we'll partner with. Uh, and so if, if there are churches that are uh, church leaders or lay leaders that want to, uh, to, to get involved, um, the, the, here in Santa Clara County, we're always looking for church partners that can, our, our vision is to, um, to see every church raise up one foster family mm-hmm. with the care community of three or four support friends. And that, that's what it means to be a partner church. And we walk alongside and help them be able to do that. Um, but if there are churches outside of Santa Clara County that are interested in getting involved, we'd love to connect with you as well. And you can, you can do that through Foster the Bay. .org. And tell us a little bit about the event on April 10th. So April 10th is uh, an event we're calling Foster Together. And we're going to have two incredible speakers coming out, a, a, a guy named Josh Shipp. He's a local here in San Jose, but just a, a nationally known speaker, uh, has uh, shows on television and on uh, on. Um, uh, he's he's on, on Oprah and MTV and Comedy Central and a bunch of programs. And then uh, he's a former foster youth who just tells an incredible story. And then Chris Kandaya, who's who is from uh, the UK, who started an organization called Home for Good, very similar to Foster the Bay. Right. And uh, and we're gonna we're gonna be uh, together gathering together on Sunday night, April 10th at 6:30 p.m. at South Bay Church. And again, you can uh, find us at southbaychurch.org, and uh, and you can come be a part of that event. It's free. Dessert, childcare is all provided. It should be a great time. It's just an evening of inspiring stories, encouraging folks to get involved in the foster system. Awesome. And that's just one week from this evening. So we encourage folks to get registered for that. Uh, again, go to fosterthebay.org or find them on Facebook. Just search for Foster the Bay on Facebook. And we're going to head into our Ministry of the Week message at this time. We want to encourage everybody to stay tuned afterwards for some more information. And uh, may God open your heart and mind to receive and believe and act on the teaching of the word that we hear today. We, we've been looking specifically at our values that God has given to us as a church. You know, we've all been a part of teams and organizations and businesses. And oftentimes culture can get unhealthy. It can get toxic. And then when you step onto a team or you're a part of a culture that's healthy, you love it. People want to be a part of it. It's inviting. And oftentimes the distinguishing factor with culture boils down to whether or not there's a clear set of stated values that are life-giving, that are embraced by the leaders and the people of that organization. So we're saying, what is it that's most important for us? Who is it that we believe God is leading us to become as a church? And we're walking through these different core values. So today, we're going to look specifically at the value of living a life that is on mission. A life lived on mission. And we've described it several ways. Number one is this, we leverage our unique talents and influence for the kingdom of God. That means that you have unique talents and gifts that God has given to you to be used for his kingdom here on planet earth. And it's to be leveraged to make a difference for good. And then the second thing is this, that we move, we shift to see ourselves not as consumers, but contributors to a purpose that is greater than ourselves. It's it's amazing to me. Sometimes I'm I'm standing at the connection center and people will walk up and they'll want to ask a couple of questions about their ch- the church and they'll use this phrase they'll say i'm just shopping for a church i'm like how's that work you just like go down aisle three and you're like i'd like a little bit of family ministry i want it 
I want the teaching to be practical, but I want it to be in depth. I want the music to be loud, but not too loud. I want the worship guy to wear skinny jeans. I don't want him to wear skinny jeans. Like, how's that, how's that shopping thing work for a church? But it, it indicates a mindset that oftentimes plays into how we look at church. We see ourselves as consumers. We're fed so much information that it's about me, it's about mine, it's about I. But what God wants, whenever He works in our lives, is He shifts our perspective to go from being a consumer, ultimately to being a contributor. To see our lives that we literally can make a difference. Now, here's what I'm praying for you today. I am praying that God opens your eyes in a unique way. I love that song that we were singing, open my eyes to the things unseen. See, God can shift our perspective to give us a vision for our lives of how we can be used to make a difference for good. And this is for people who are exploring faith, who've never decided to follow Jesus. God still has designed you for a purpose, that your life can be used. And this is for longtime followers of Jesus. I have seen people that go in and out of a church building week after week after week after week, thinking as a consumer, but something changes when they start to see themselves as a contributor, that there is a vision, there is a mission, there is a unique purpose that only your life can fulfill. That the entire kingdom of God, the entire church misses out when you and I stand on the sidelines in the stands. And God wants to bring us today from the stands to the field to a whole new level of participation in his kingdom and ultimately in his church. And to help us today, we're going to look at a passage of scripture found in Acts chapter 20, starting in verse number 22. So I want to invite you to look for a few moments today at what it might mean for us to live our lives fully engaged with the mission that God has given to his church. Acts chapter 20 is an amazing chapter because there's this guy by the name of Paul who had been radically changed by Jesus. He had been a murderer of followers of Jesus. And then all of a sudden, God changed him to where he was filled with joy and peace. And he became one of the greatest proponents of the message of Jesus in all of human history. He'd go from one town to the next. He'd start a church. He'd move on to the next town until an entire region of people had been transformed because of one man's life. And right at the end of his life, he gets a leading from God to go back to Jerusalem. The place where the church was founded, the original place where the message of Jesus, his death, his resurrection, all of it had happened in Jerusalem. So he says, I've got to get back to Jerusalem because the church is starting to struggle. So in Acts chapter 20, we see Paul en route back to Jerusalem as he's interacting with a group of people from a church that he had previously started. And in this story, a lot of them know that they're never going to see Paul's face again. And he wants to leave them with some last words, some impacting words that will change their perspective ultimately so that they can live their lives on mission. And in this passage of scripture, we're going to see his mindset. We're going to get into his value system. We're going to understand why this man became so enthralled and so passionate about the mission that God had given to his life. Acts chapter 20. Listen to what his word says. And now, compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. You ever feel like that when you go into work on Monday morning, not knowing what will happen to me when I get there? 
Is somebody going to get fired? Is somebody going to get in a fight? Is, is there going to be a weird email exchange? What's going to happen when I get there? Paul had that same uncertainty that you and I deal with on a day-to-day basis, but his was a little bit different. In fact, he said, I don't know what will happen, but I only know that in every city... Now, you want God to speak into your life, and Paul had that a lot, but listen to what he sensed God speaking. He said, every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison... And hardships are facing me. You're like, God, I just wanted butterflies or, you know, dandelions. Don't tell me that I'm going to be beaten for my faith. But Paul was this man who was consumed with the mission. And it was it was a lot of hardship that his life would encounter because of his obedience to Jesus. God gave him a warning that this was coming every time he would go to another town. However, notice his perspective in light of uncertainty, in light of difficulty he says however the the however is there for a purpose because it's a it's a hinge phrase in the passage that he transitions into and he says however i consider my life worth nothing to me you want to know how you can live your life on mission you want to know how you can be a part of something that's greater than the here and the now there's something that shifts when we stop seeing life with such temporary eyes and Paul says that, that my life compared to the eternal plan of God is so small, it's worth nothing to me, except that I might finish the race, complete the task that the Lord has given to me, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. He says, this is what it's all about. At the end of the day, this is what consumes me. This is what drives me. This is what makes me get up early in the morning. This is what makes me go from town to town. This is what causes me to be willing to endure persecution. It's a bigger vision that God would use my life, that I could run a race, that I could finish this assignment and ultimately share the message of Jesus with as many people as possible. Now, this passage has the power to change the way that we think about our lives in terms of mission. And I want to take a few moments today to look at three specific things that a mission involves, a life that is lived on mission. The first thing I want us to see from this passage of scripture is that God gave Paul and us a unique race to run. Number one, God gives us a unique race to run. I believe that God has a unique race for each of us to run. That there is a calling that he will place upon every single one of our lives. And if we are not careful... We are in great danger of missing the race that God wants for us to run. And I think that a lot of times for many of us, there are good gifts that God gives into our lives. Gifts like family, gifts like our job, hobbies that we love, that are all things that God gives to us. But oftentimes we believe and buy into a lie that the good things that God has placed in our lives is going to bring satisfaction to the core of who we are. And all of these good gifts, when they become an excuse for living our lives on mission, that those good gifts take us out of the assignment or out of the race that God has given to us, they're in danger of leaving us broken and empty. And God is saying, none of that is an excuse. And there's something in Paul's words that give us evidence and understanding of how he saw his unique race that allowed him to overcome distractions. In fact, he says in the first part of it, he says, and now compelled by the Holy Spirit. That meant that Paul woke up most days and thought, God, how are you leading me to be on mission today? 
How do you want my life to make an impact in this moment? From this morning to the end of the day. I think a lot of times we want God to speak to us. We want God to give us a vision and a mission and to take our lives and do great things. But a part of the reason that a lot of us miss the race that God has given to us is that we don't listen in the small details of life. See, God's not going to give you a big vision, a big mission, if you don't obey and listen to the small stuff he says. Like, hey, there's a neighbor next door to you, and they're walking through a divorce, and they're struggling, and they need somebody to love them, and I put you there for a reason. Hey, there's somebody at your place of work that is depressed, and you've got joy, and you have something to offer that person. Hey, there's somebody in your class that is struggling, and they're walking through this horrible, nasty breakup. I I want you to be the person to to love and to care for that person. See, God will give you a unique race to run, but distraction oftentimes makes us not listen to the voice and the prompting of God. What are those distractions for you? What are the things that God is saying? "I, I want you to set that aside to make the focal point of your life the race that I'm asking you to run. But not only do, do we get distracted, but we, we get fearful too. That's the other thing that makes us miss the race. Paul says, the Holy Spirit warns me that there's difficulty in life, that there's going to be trial and temptation, and there's going to be things that stand in the way of me walking in the direction that God wants for my life. But, but oftentimes that, that fear of what's next, the uncertainty, the difficulty can sideline us, can take us out of the game and out of the mission that God wants for our lives. And I wonder today if there are some fears that have crept in. The fear of what it might look like for you to live your life fully engaged. The fear of not having enough time. I think Silicon Valley struggles with that a little bit, don't we? It's like, man, I just got so much to get done. I got message to reply to. I got work that's breathing down on me. I don't have enough space in that fear. Or maybe it was a previous tragedy or difficulty that you encountered and you were in the game, you were on mission, but that tragedy and that difficulty took you out. It sidelined you. And God wants to say to our hearts today, I don't want fear. I don't want difficulty. I don't want uncertainty to keep you out of the mission. So you don't need enough faith to finish when you start. All you need is enough faith to get started, to take your next step. And sometimes our longing for security and certainty makes us miss the mission that God has for our lives. And oftentimes what God will do is he'll ask you to step away from security and to step away from certainty in order to obey and follow him. And a lot of times we'll do this in the name of protecting other people. We do it with our kids. Like, I just, I just want to create a shelter for them that they're protected. But you know, I, what I want to be more concerned of for my kids than a shelter that protects them I want to be concerned with the foundation that their life is built upon, that when the storms of life come, there is a secure foundation that no shelter that man can build can protect you from the storms of life, but a obedience to God, a life that is lived surrendered and yielded to him is a foundation that no storm can knock you out through. And what I believe God wants to do in our hearts is to reignite a passion for his mission to realize that there is a race that he has called you to run. What is keeping you from running the race? Distraction, fear, and what do you need to let go of today to re-engage or to engage for the first time in the race that he's called you to?
Now, not only does God give us a race to run, but he does something else too. See, Paul says, if, if only, if only I would run the race and then complete the assignment that God has given to me. God will also give a unique assignment for every single one of us to complete. And that assignment will flow out of several different things. Number one, that assignment will flow out of your passion. It's the stuff that you get fired up about. It's the stuff that, that breaks your heart. You know, some of you, God has placed a unique passion inside of you. There are people here at South Bay that, that their hearts get stirred around how many men are broken and don't see the identity that God's created them to live with. And that fires them up so much that they stay up late at night, they get up early in the morning and they are about that mission. Others of our leaders are fired up about seeing the next generation impacted with God's love so much that they'll come and they'll arrive at 6.37 a.m. on the weekends and serve all weekend long to influence future generations with the message of Jesus. I bet there's something like that in your heart that God's put there for a reason. There's something in you that God wants to wreck your heart over. Maybe it's human trafficking and the fact that there are 27 million people right now in slavery, a lot of them in the Bay Area. And God wants to put a passion in your heart. Maybe for some of you, it's when you walk down or you drive down the streets and you see another person with a sign up and you see tons and tons of homeless people in San Jose that God wants to take that passion. Maybe for some of you, it's when you hear statistics about the fact that there are close to 2,000 students and teenagers who have been sent into foster care system and they're waiting for families to love them, that that will break your heart so that we can reverse the trend on that. God will put something in you that's a passion that he wants to use, but it's not just your passion that he wants to use. Secondly, it's your gifts. So there's something that you're good at that everybody else is not good at. And I'm, I, I'm not talking about the gifts that your mom thinks you have. There, there are gifts that God has given to you that people see it in you. They say it to you. Some of you are gifted to serve and do behind the scenes. Stuff that nobody else will know about. We have a young mom here at South Bay that God gave her a passion to serve and to love young moms as they were giving birth to new babies. And she has literally helped hundreds and hundreds of young moms in our churches they brought new babies into the world and families that just had an infant by serving them to put teams together to provide meals for those families and it it flowed out of a unique gift of not needing to be on the stage or not needing to be recognized but god used that gift others of you you're phenomenal at leading you're gifted with mercy god didn't give me that gift but some of you you, you have gifts that god gave you for a reason so it goes from your passion to your gifts, and then to your experience or your story. That there are unique things that have happened in your life that are a part of this intersection where these three will converge so that your life can be used by God to make a difference. Some of you, your parents were divorced when you were a young kid. And a part of what God wants to do is take that painful experience and use it to minister to others. Others of you have overcome great addictions to, to pornography and sexual sin. And God wants to take your story. Some of you had a marriage that was falling apart and God brought it back together. And that story, our brokenness from the past, is what God will leverage today for our lives to be used on mission. And he'll take these three together and he'll stir within us something that only we can bring to the table. See, there, there, there's this 
beautiful reality that God has been building his church for close to 2,000 years. And I have confidence that he'll continue to build his church beyond today, beyond this moment. But what it requires is the people of his church to listen to his voice as he stirs to prompt us of how we can use our unique lives to make a difference. I love some men and women from South Bay who started an entrepreneurs group on Monday evenings that would meet every other week. It grew. It went from 20 to 30 to the point that ultimately it became hundreds of people that were a part of this community. They planned a conference and it was called the Elio Conference. And at the Elio Conference, 400 entrepreneurs from Silicon Valley walked through the doors of our building at the North San Jose campus most of whom had never been to church in their lives. And they heard about how they can take skills and talents and be leveraged for good here on planet Earth. And it was just one small way and one large way together that God used their lives to make an impact. I think about the refresh group, that there are these young moms that serve together on Wednesdays and they let God use their lives to help moms who are exhausted, taking care of multiple children throughout the week. They come, they drop their kids off, they get a break, they get encouraged and inspired. There are so many people like this that are at our church that have let God use their lives and he wants to do it with each and every single one of us individually if we will just simply, like Paul said, God, I want to be compelled by you. I want you to lead me. Let's watch this video from some of our life group leaders who have also yielded to God's unique call in their lives. Hi, my name is Stanley and my life group is called What's It Like Being Married to Me? So I help lead Refresh, a group for moms here at and Pursuing Purity is an eight-week uh, short program to help equip men to live lives of purity, purpose, and power. God put a calling on my heart to do something about just the immense uh, homeless community in the South Bay. On a men's group, we, we've been getting together for a couple of years. Um, it's ten of us. We began to meet at my place. And it's amazing what God has been doing in our own hearts through what we call our band of brothers. A few years ago, I was having kind of a hard time with my marriage. A little bit like, um, my marriage wasn't bad, but it wasn't great either. And so my friend Vivian and I decided, well, you know, she has this amazing theory about how, um, you know, if you have a problem, why not lead a life group? And it's like free counseling, it's awesome. <laughs> Refresh to me made a strange place feel like home. We We've heard from like young ages that there's safety in numbers and support numbers and we're better in groups and I think that also applies to when you become a parent. The genuine heart is to see you supported and to find friendship and fulfillment in um, just the lonely areas of motherhood. It just seemed right for me to share my story and to be able to help other men escape the darkness and uh, I'll say the evil that comes out of sexual addiction. We developed a working relationship with City Team Ministries right up the street and uh, we did a fundraiser with them. We raised $1,600 for those who are homeless in the Silicon Valley. Our primary objective is to get them off the streets. We're, our aim and of our group is to end homelessness. We do that by one-on-one -on -one relationships. We believe that God is doing something amazing, something great here in the Silicon Valley and He wants men to stand up and take their place in the larger story. If you're looking for a life group that will have God use you to better the lives of others, then this is a life group for you. Join one of the groups because it's amazing. Come and join us at Basecamp. Join our group. 
Join my life group because we feed you breakfast in the morning. <laughs>
they um, are not afraid. It makes sense to them. Um, recently, one of the villages that we had first started going to, um, Todd asked a friend um, if he would come with him because he found out that he was born in that village. And he hadn't been back since he had believed in Jesus. And so he went. It's about a two-hour drive on what we would call a road, but you wouldn't. And um, <laughs> that's part of the reason he hadn't been back. Um, and uh, Todd was sitting down at one point going over the um, contract. Thank you. Sorry, I'm getting all flushed. Um, <laughs> going over the contract for the price of the coffee, which we have to do every year with every village. Um, and he came in and tried to grab one of the other guys that was helping us with the transaction or the paperwork. And Todd was like, what's going on? What's going on? And he said, well, you know, um, one of my family members was demon oppressed and we prayed over and she was freed and now they all want to believe in Jesus. And so <laughs> Todd was like, <laughs> your first day back? Like, your first day. That would take us years to just bring up Jesus, it seems like, sometimes. And, oh, God is so good and his power over demons and getting to see the transformation in lives and the coffee being the vehicle for that and for us and for other believers in our community. And what's amazing, I think, to think about in this instance. So they're in a place in the world that if they told us they'd have to kill us. So since we want to be alive for the rest of the day, they're not going to tell us exactly where they are. But they oftentimes they have to be careful that they're not mistaken for CIA agents. Like, actually, you might not know this, but Todd's Jason Bourne. But, but they... They live in a place where there are 30 different groups of people, ethnicities, most of whom have never heard the name of Jesus. And they leverage their entire life and they're using coffee as a bridge. Just like we use coffee as a bridge here at South Bay to get you awake before the service starts. They're using coffee to go into communities where there's no relationship to share the love of Jesus, to build churches, to, to influence people. And it's just an incredible vision to think about. Now, Todd, tell us a little bit more about this unique passion that God has placed on your heart. Yeah. Um, when we we first felt called to go overseas, we, we felt this call to go to the least reached, people who didn't have opportunity even to hear about God or Jesus. And so we, we knew that call, but um, a lot of the specifics we didn't know. So I think that often God calls us, but he doesn't give us the whole picture right away. Um, even as we were praying, uh, when we first decided to start a coffee business, we, we wanted to pray and fast and Seek God for an answer. And I was looking in the scripture as I was praying and fasting. Um, I think I thought maybe I'd find that verse that said, start a coffee business. But it wasn't there. It was like first Starbucks 4-5 or, or something. <laughs> yeah, that was it. <laughs> I couldn't find that book. <laughs> um, but God did give me a verse, and he really spoke to me through this. It's uh, Isaiah 30, and verse 20 he said, and though the Lord give you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, yet your teacher will not hide himself anymore. But your eyes shall see your teacher and your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. When you turn to the right or turn to the left. He was saying to me, I'm not going to show you the whole picture of what this is going to look like, but I am leading you to start this coffee business and I'm going to, Keep leading you 
when you need to turn left or turn right or whatever you need to do, I'm going to show you that. And so we were definitely comforted in that. And he has been doing that. In fact, he did it this very week right here at South Bay. I want to tell you about it. I came to the men's event on Thursday night. And um, Pablo shared from Psalm 2-7. Psalm 2-7 says, I will tell of the decree the Lord said to me, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. And often when someone shares a verse like that, I like to look and, and read it and even read the next verse. And wh- when I read the verse after it, it just God just blew me off my feet. It says, Ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. And God spoke to me in that moment and said, Todd, you're worried about how this coffee venture is going to reach these 30 people groups. But God said, I have it. I'm going to do it. All I want you to do is ask and be faithful. And so the other thing he spoke to me was um, the verse before it tells us that um, those of us who believe in Jesus are sons and daughters And so the connection between these two verses says that the Great Commission or the mission is given to us. It's ours. It's our job. But we just, it looks different for each one of us, doesn't it? Um, But what what our job is, we we come to God and we just kind of have open hands. And we say to him, we're like a blank book. And we just ask God to write his story on the pages of our life. So I invite you to do that. And if that in- includes being involved in what we're doing in Southeast Asia, welcome. Please pray, please give, and please come. And we're believing that God's going to lead a number of us to be involved with what they're doing in Southeast Asia, to go on trips. Maybe even some of you, God will lead you to move there and to take your family across the world like Todd and Tiffany have done. And we want to pray for them and pray for how we can be a part of their ministry that God has called them to. Jesus, thank you so much for Todd and Tiffany, their family, their obedience to you. I pray that you would lead and guide their steps and that you would give us each a vision of how we can be involved with sharing your love with people who have never heard. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, as we wrap up our time together today, the last thing I want us to see about the life of Paul, of our lives, is that at the end of the day, for Paul, he understood that everything was not just about running a race and finishing an assignment. It was about sharing a message. And God has given us, those of us who follow Jesus, a message to share. And friends, it is the best message in all of the world. Paul was so consumed because he knew his past. He knew that he would walk into church buildings, drag people out and stone them for their faith in Jesus. But when God changed this man's life, he found joy. He found peace. He found passion. He found purpose and everything was different for him. And he went on a mission that consumed his life to get this good news to as many people as possible. So much that he would be beaten and bruised in a town and he'd get up and he'd go to the next town and share that same message. And when we begin to understand the goodness and the grace and the mercy of God for our lives, that in spite of our sin, in spite of our brokenness, God made a way. 
that Jesus would come to live among us and die on a cross for our sins, that after being placed into a grave three days later, he would conquer that grave and come forth victoriously, proving the fact that he is not just a man, not just a miracle worker, but he was God and human flesh. And he makes an invitation for every single human being to have relationship with himself, not based upon religion, not based upon trying harder and keeping a checklist, but based on what Jesus has done on a cross in his resurrection by faith in him and what he's done. Your slate can be wiped clean. Mine can be wiped clean. And a bridge is made that every person from every nation, tribe and tongue could be in relationship with a God who is loving and merciful, who's holy and just. And the only way is through what Jesus had done on a cross in his resurrection. And today, that good news is available to us 2,000 years after Paul shared it with as many people as possible. I wonder if you've received that gift. I wonder today if you've ever fully opened up your heart to God and you've said, God, I want to follow you. I believe, Jesus, that you died on a cross, that you rose again from the dead. Today can be your day of salvation. Scripture says that if any person is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. In that moment when you place your trust and your faith in Jesus and you yield your heart to him, you turn, you turn from sin, from an old way of life, and you turn towards God. That's what the Bible calls repentance. When you do that, you're made new. You are reborn, is what the Bible says. That you are changed from the inside out. And there are some of you here today at South Bay, and there are some of you joining us online and listening to this message, that today is your day of salvation. And God is saying, stop running from me. I've been running towards you. It's not about you getting your life straight and getting your life right before you come to me. It's about right now where you are turning to me and my forgiveness, my grace and my mercy can cover you right now in this moment. I wonder if you would yield your heart to God fully today. In just a moment, we're going to give you an opportunity to do just that. And for others of us who are here, God is saying, engage in my mission. When I went to this race over in AT&T Park, when I crossed the finish line, they gave us a t-shirt. And on that t-shirt, on the back of the t-shirt was the phrase finisher. And I love that t-shirt because I put it on and my boys put it on and we walked around with this finisher t-shirt. We finished the Spartan race. But God used that t-shirt to speak into my heart. Not everybody who got in the stadium got a finisher t-shirt. And the same is true in relationship with God, there are some people that will be in heaven and they will just have escaped the flames of hell. They're going to come in smelling like smoke. And there are others of us who engage in the mission. And when we cross the finish line, we're not going to get a finisher shirt. We're going to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. You finished the race that I've asked you to finish. And there are going to be countless people, nameless faces, that have obeyed Jesus, stay-at-home moms, business leaders, people who moved to the other side of the world that I believe will be the heroes in the kingdom of heaven who said yes to what it is that God asked them to do. And he's asking you today to be a finisher, to be somebody who runs to the finish line and engages in the mission that he's given to your life. I wonder today if you will step up 
in a new way to the mission that God has called you to individually. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you today for your grace and for your mercy that is available to us in this moment. Jesus, I believe you died on a cross for my sins and that you rose again from the dead. Will you please forgive me for my past? I surrender my life to you. I want you to help me be a finisher. Help me today finish the race that you've asked me to run. Jesus, we are believing you today for a fresh vision for our lives. We are believing you to call husbands and fathers to stand up and fight for their families with a mission. We're believing you, God, that you will call entrepreneurs and business leaders to fight for your kingdom to come at their place of work. We're believing, God, that you will give us courage, that you will give us strength, that you will give us the ability to persevere in the face of uncertainty and the face of difficulty, to not be consumers, but to be contributors contributors to a purpose greater than ourselves to let you jesus leverage our unique talents and gifts for your glory on earth god that your kingdom would come and your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven god may we see how our lives can be used by you and you ignite something deep within us to be used for your kingdom in your local church here on earth in Jesus' name we pray, and all of God's people said, Amen. And that's all the time that we have for today's Ministry of the Week Sunday message. We're so glad that you could be with us this week as we took time throughout the week in the interviews to talk with Pastor Philip Pattison, one of the pastors at South Bay Church. And you can find out more about this remarkable, growing, vibrant church, southbaychurch.org. They have three campuses now, uh, North San Jose, South San Jose, and Sunnyvale. And uh, Pastor Philip is one of the pastors at the South Bay uh, South San Jose campus and one of the initiators of a foster the Bay, an organization that is uh, dedicated to raising up churches who will in turn raise up a foster family within their church uh, in order to care for kids in need. And you can find out more about them at fosterthebay.org and come be a part of an event next weekend, April 10 at 630 p.m called Foster Together. Again, you can get registered for that event at fosterthebay.org. Folks, we are so glad that you could join us each week at this time. We hope that you'll tune in tomorrow at 7.35 and again at 10.35 p.m. as we feature another ministry uh, on the Ministry of the Week interviews. And then join us next week Sunday at this same time for the Ministry of the Week Sunday message. Until then, enjoy the rest of your afternoon. Grace and peace to all of you. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.